1: Welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture, and find food truth. And today to help us do that is a very respected psychiatrist, lipid biochemist, and captain with the U.S. Public Health Service, Joseph Hibbelin. Welcome.
0: Well, welcome. Thank you very much.
1: I am delighted to have you as my guest today because I heard you speak at the University of Missouri, and you mesmerized me about a topic that's quite complicated, and that is the value of omega-3 fatty acids. And I just want to let our listeners know that Dr. Hibblin is recognized for his work looking at how fatty acids contribute to our psychological health. So I was quite interested to see how you looked at fatty acids and how they influence psychiatric illnesses such as depression and even homicide rates. So without any further ado, let me ask you, how how did you get started in this field?
0: Well, Melinda, first, thanks for having me. And the issue is connecting the dots all the way from the food supply to the substance of the brain. Most people don't realize or appreciate that the substance and the real physical being of the brain is lipids and fats. It's not muscle, skin, or bone, or anything else. And those lipids and fats of the brain, the critical ones, can only come from the diet. So if you are your emotions, if you are your perceptions, if you are your being, then literally the foods that you choose to eat and the foods that make up your brain really profoundly influence who you are, how you perceive the world, and to some extent, whether you're happy or not.
1: Well, it's very interesting, and I think that what influences the foods that we choose to eat are the foods that are many times available to us. And our diets have changed over the past 50 years, haven't they?
0: Yes, they have. We recently published a paper looking at all of the foods that Americans bought every year from 1909 to 1999, And it's given us a very good picture as to how the essential fatty acids, the omega-3s and the omega-6s, have changed in what's available at the store that you unconsciously buy or not knowingly buy. And these changes in the human food supply have been just tremendous. From 100 years ago, we were eating diets primarily from farms and not mass-produced. And those diets were available, oh, 10,000 years ago, when humans began in agriculture, and probably for 5 million years ago, all the way to mammalian evolution. They were pretty stable during that time, but in the last 100 years, there's been an explosive growth in very cheap seed oils in the U.S. diet. The, The amount of soybean oil that is in the diet has increased more than 123,000 times wow. what existed 100 years ago.
1: Corn oil, too, is that correct?
0: Corn oil, too, but corn oil, it's only 10%, it's only one tenth um, as much in the food supply as is soybean oil. And soybeans also make up predominantly the food that is fed to uh, chickens, cattle, and pigs. And therefore, those foodstuffs also concentrate um, soybeans predominantly.
1: and the problem in making this switch, if I'm understanding your research correctly, is the fact that it shifted us, it shifted the balance of omega three and omega six fatty acids in our diet to be rather than a one to one ratio or even a one to two ratio. To a much more imbalance towards the omega 6. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. There's literally been a flood of these omega 6 fatty acids in the last hundred years, whereas they were less than 1%, probably 1% of calories in 1900, and now they're 8 or 10 or 20% of all the calories that you eat. And these omega 6 fatty acids, They are polyunsaturated fatty acids, but they're polyunsaturated fatty acids that are the precursors or the building blocks of very potent inflammatory biochemicals. And, you know, we spend billions of dollars a year trying to inhibit the flood of arachidonic acid by aspirin, by ibuprofen, by, you know, Vioxx into these potent inflammatory uh, chemicals and maybe we don't need to you know put the finger in the dike and stop the flood if, if we didn't have a flood from our from our dietary foods
1: and so the large amount of omega-6 fatty acids coming into our diet from these cheap seed oils increase the level of arachidonic acid in our bodies and it, le- leading to
0: inflammation it it's not so much that it increases the arachidonic acid but it pushes out and does not allow formation or a place for the omega-3 fatty acids. I see. And that's in every cell in your body and including the cells in your brain. So we, we know from both human and animal studies that when you back off the omega-6 fatty acids in your diet, the metabolism allows the body to make omega-3 fatty acids for free, the EPA and DHA.
1: Now... There are so many different directions we could go here, and I'm so excited to talk about this. But I just want to do some very nuts and bolts things. I'm a consumer. I've just heard you say something very important to me, that I need to cut back on omega-6 fatty acids. But when I go to the supermarket and I look at a food label on a product, I don't see omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids fractioned out on that food label. So how is a consumer to make wiser decisions in the supermarket?
0: Well, my opinion is that you should look to see if it says contains soybean oil or contains vegetable oils. Usually, it's, if it's vegetable oils, there's a mixture of it, and and I would avoid buying those. If it says olive oil, you're probably a little bit better off, although some olive oils are mixed and diluted with soybean oil. Mm. And if you can get high oleic. That's a monounsaturated fatty acid oils and make and cook your foods at home, yes. because soybean oil is so dominant in the food supply it's it's really difficult to find pre manufactured foods without it hmm. um, so that's so you, you eat at home and, and use olive oil and use butter mm-hmm. now, now it's very important to know that you know some people advocate using olive oil using soybean oil because it's a polyunsaturated fat right and it's true that it's a polyunsaturated fat but but all polyunsaturates are not created equal some of them are omega-6s and some of them are are omega-3s and the advice for people to eat polyunsaturates is not based on a reduction in death it's based on a reduction only in lowering cholesterol levels and it's never been connected to robustly, especially omega-6 fatty acids, to robustly lowering death. When you mix all polyunsaturates together, the attributes seem to come from the omega-3s.
1: Now, your research interests have looked at the omega-3s versus omega-6s and personality traits from happiness to severe pathological conditions. Tell me how that works.
0: Right. Well, as I was saying, the brain is made up of these omega-6s and omega-3s. And through most of human existence, we had diets very rich in, in seafood and rich in omega-3 fatty acids. And we didn't start living inland, you know, into Missouri, you know, until we had great industrialized farms, you know, where we could, we could make lots of, lots of seed oils. You know, people used to have goiter in the Midwest, That's because right. they didn't eat seafood and didn't get iodine before mm-hmm. iodization. So it's, it's, it's as simple as that. It's a required nutrient like iodine. Now, we've done a, a complement of studies all the way from the inside of the cell to the functioning of neurons to treating people with omega-3s versus a placebo to looking across countries at how much fish people eat and what their rates of depression and suicide and violence are. And across all of these levels of science, I feel that there's a very consistent, very robust story that when a general population of people are deficient in omega-3 fatty acids and not eating enough fish, it rather starves their brains for these omega-3s and results in a number of different biochemical pathways, lowering serotonin, lowering dopamine, elevating molecules called endocannabinoids, elevating the stress axis. And through all of those pathways combined, people become much more vulnerable to suffering a depression.
1: Hmm. And you mentioned, too, that maybe some of that postpartum depression that that women experience may also be related to the depletion of omega-3 fatty acids.
0: Yes. We put forth the hypothesis that women, you know, they suffer depressions the most actually in the third trimester, um, not actually after birth. Mm -hmm. And at that period of time, women are most rapidly becoming depleted of their stores of omega-3 fatty acids so as to best optimally form their baby's brains. So we thought that if women didn't eat enough fish during pregnancy, it you know, might not only harm their baby's brains, which we showed in other studies it reduces their I, the kids' IQ by about eight points, but it also might harm the moms by increasing their risk of depression. Now we looked across countries and found that the rate of, of depression and postpartum depression was 50 times higher in countries where don't eat, people don't eat fish. And in England, where we had a study of of more than 14,000 pregnancies and directly assessed the women's fish intake, we found that um, in that population, when women didn't eat fish, they about tripled their risk of depression. Now, it's very difficult to translate that into a double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled trial of depression in pregnancy, because it's very it's unethical to not treat women. For depression in pregnancy, right, and it it really makes the studies very difficult. But you know, there's only one study that that shows that antidepressants work in depress in pregnancy, hmm. and I think that this is a much more naturalistic, you know, replacement of an, of of a critical nutrient that should be tried first.
1: Absolutely, and and you know, it goes back to the medical philosophy is first of first do no harm. I suspect that eating fish is a lot safer than taking some of the prescribed drugs to treat depression.
0: Well, I don't think anybody's made that comparison, but I can certainly tell you that fish consumption is very safe and well-recommended in pregnancy. The new 2010 dietary guidelines say that women should eat fish two to three times a week in pregnancy to help optimize their children's brain development. And, you know, if you look at, some people have been worried about methylmercury, and a lot of environmentalists have have championed that. But if you look at the whole diversity of fish consumption in the U.S., the women with the highest exposure of methylmercury, their kids may lose only one-tenth of one IQ point, even when the women are eating the most fish. And from that's the risk from methylmercury. The risk of not eating fish is the loss of six to eight IQ points.
1: That is so just amazing. The risk
0: of deficiency far outweighs the risk of exposure to trace, negligible, barely detectable levels of methylmercury.
1: That is absolutely fascinating, and I'm sure our listeners are finding this discussion fascinating as well. We are speaking with Dr. Joseph Hibbelin. He is a respected psychiatrist, a lipid biochemist, and a captain with the U.S. Public Health Service, and his research has been focusing on omega-3 fatty acids in depressive and aggressive disorders. His interests encompass the effects of diets deficient in omega-3s, especially in the presence of high omega-6s, and he's looked at personality traits from happiness to severe pathological conditions. Dr. Hiblin, let me ask you something about some of the psychological disorders that we see today. We see a lot of bipolar cases. We see depression related to maybe our lifestyles and perhaps our diet. We see individuals coming back from the war, coming uh, having been in the service, being depressed. Uh, is diet a possible answer to some of these cases?
0: Well, I think to to get a good perspective of this, you have to think about both the human brain as a lens and our environment as what we view. You know, we have an emotional environment and we have a social environment out there, but we also have a brain that interprets those emotions and interprets those lenses. And when the brain chemistry is off, people will often say, well, it, it looks like I'm looking at the world through gray-colored glasses. Mm. Or, you know, they may use other more prerogative terms. But that's because the brain just, the emotions of the brain literally cannot see the, the world in a happy way. So the hypothesis is that if the brain is deficient of these critical nutrients that are are important for forming synapses and important for letting dopamine levels be You know, there are normal rates that whatever stress is going out there in the world can be magnified and can be amplified when the brain is deficient. Now, we have found and we are publishing soon, it's accepted for publication in the Journal of Clinical Psychiatry, a study comparing um, the omega-3 fatty acid levels in 800 military suicide deaths and 800 control people who didn't commit suicide in the military. And those who had low omega-3 fatty acids had about a 75% increased risk of suicide death. Now, we've also given omega-3 fatty acids compared to a fake pill or placebo to people in Ireland who just had a recent suicide attempt and found that in only 12 weeks, we cut down their depressions by 50%, and we cut down their thoughts of suicide by 45%, making sure that they're, they had adequate levels of omega-3 fatty acids. Hmm. And we've also looked at the U.S. military diet and found that it, it very well reflects the typical U.S. diet, mm-hmm. and that means that it has very sparse amounts of these long-chain omega-3 fatty acids in it.
1: And let's talk about those long-chain omega-3 fatty acids because, as you know, there are many products on the market Some of them claim to be high in omega-3s, but they're actually high in the shorter-chain omega-3s, which, if I understand the literature correctly, uh, are not as beneficial as the longer chain. So as a consumer, again, looking to improve the diet, we want both DHA and EPA, the two long-chain omega-3 fatty acids?
0: That's correct. We want both EPA and DHA. And... For a typical person um, eating about 2,000-calorie diet, the way I've calculated it out using the Institute of Medicine, you know, mathematical criteria for a, a DRI, or daily recommended intake, I would recommend at least a minimum of one gram a day of EPA plus DHA every day. And I think for people who have depression, or who are, you know, fighting to rebuild their stores, they maybe need two grams or three grams a day. And you're absolutely correct that that there is a distinction between these long chain EPA and DHA fatty acids that are called marine fatty acids and the shorter eighteen carbon fatty acids from flax and seeds. Now you can do yourself a favor by you know switching over to flax oil and switching over to olive oil and getting rid of uh, soybean oil and corn oil, that helps restore the balance of the short chains. And that does help, but you certainly need to have an intake of those preformed fatty acids. Some people recommend only 250 milligrams a day of these, and I think that's far too little.
1: Now. The other component of the diet that I wonder if, if you could address is also whether or not we choose our meat and dairy products from grass-fed animals versus animals that have been fed grain. There, mm-hmm. there is a difference in level of the omega-3 fatty acids. Do you believe that would make a significant difference?
0: Every little bit helps. And, you know, animals that are fed grains are fed corn and, and soybeans, and they are prized because the meat's fatter mm-hmm. and more tender. Right? right. And grass-fed animals, you know, they're leaner on the inside. Yeah. Now, the, the difference is not as big in ruminant animals like cows because they have these stomachs that destroy a lot of the, a lot of the polyunsaturated fatty acids. Mm-hmm. A big difference, a bigger difference is in chickens and is in pigs. That don't have the, um, that don't have the ruminant digestive stomachs. I'm not quite sure that you can get all the fatty acids that you need from meat, Mm -hmm. even if it's farm raised and even if it's fed specially. So I really think that, you know, that would bring us back to what was occurring a hundred years ago, which is good. Right. But I think that there is, there, there should be a restoration of cultural habits to eat fish on Fridays right. and, and eat fish, you know, a couple times a week. You know, I calculated out the Vatican I dietary recommendations for abstinence that were issued in 1242, and, you know, that says eat eat fish and and abstinence habits 180 days out of 365. I calculated out all the meals and dosages, and it comes to about one to two grams of omega-3 fatty acids a day.
1: Isn't that fascinating? And I remember from your talk how you described not just the Christian faith to eat fish on Fridays, but every single religion identified in your talk called on followers to consume fish.
0: Yes, it's a, it's a really remarkable convergence of data. Yeah. The The fish on Friday... History is not only Christian, but it's pre-Christian in Judaic traditions, and it's pre-Judaic all the way back to about 8,000 years B.C. in Sumerian and Babylonian cultures. And it arose independently in Chinese cultures and Chinese medicine and in Indian medicine. So it's very robust. And it does make sense that if you followed a dietary law and habit that created your identity by what you ate, it not only creates your cultural identity, but it also simultaneously changes the composition of your brain. And if you're eating foods that make you calmer and happier and better able to turn the other cheek, well, I think that all fits together very well, and I think that's something we need to come back to. You know, conversely, I think that culturally we've... We've identified omega 6 fatty acids with the term junk food. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because we intuitively detect and feel that it makes our brains feel junky. (laughs)
1: that's that's very interesting you know one of the things that you had mentioned during your talk uh, well you had just returned recently from the global summit on nutrition health and human behavior looking at uh, sustainable long chain omega-3s for a better world and one of the quotes you shared with us was brain and heart disorders resulting from long chain omega-3 deficiency are the biggest challenges to the future of humanity that's a tremendous statement
0: that was a conference consensus statement and it really evolved from you know Michael Crawford's work showing the primacy of DHA all the way through evolutionary history, originating in you know, the the diflagellates who captured light from sun and created plants on Earth and that he believes and influenced us and, and my data shows that when When brains are deficient in pregnancy, kids have a loss of IQ when they're older. Wow. And they have a greater risk of peer problems and social problems. Hmm. And this, we also have seen marked and profound increased rates of homicide and violence that are associated with increasing intakes of omega-6 fatty acids in five different countries across the world. Hmm. And that we think that it's changing the composition of the whole the brains of whole populations. So yeah. we we're very concerned with the how you connect the dots between agriculture, food supply, the composition of brains and societal prevalences of of violence, aggression and unhappiness. I want to make a, a second strong point about that conference statement, which you started to read. And the last half of that statement says that these deficiencies are creating enormous burdens to health care costs. And that these deficiencies and their related health care costs may threaten economic instability. We're very serious about this. For example, my data and data from Harvard and Frank Hu estimate that 40% of cardiovascular disease in the world could be eliminated with adequate dietary intakes of omega-3 fatty acids. So if you think about what, what are the burdens of healthcare cost of treating and preventing 40% of cardiovascular disease, wow! We, we have an opportunity here to save Medicare. Right. We have an opportunity then also to save the U.S. federal government budget deficit right. and the budget deficits of, of other countries. Hmm. Now, we, we know that that data is solid for cardiovascular disease. And my personal opinion is that we are on the same trajectory for depression and suicide and violence. That, that not all of the disorders are caused by nutritional deficiencies, but a large percentage of them can be eliminated by adequate diets.
1: Well and that brings us back to Hippocrates and and medicine and food being our first and foremost medicine.
0: Yes. And this is you know this issue is is not trivial and it must be resolved because now eight to ten percent of the diets of modern societies are from this omega-6 linoleic acid.
1: Dr. Hibelin, unfortunately, we have run out of time, and I will have to have you back because... Another component of your talk that I really hoped we would touch on would be how omega-3 fatty acids versus omega-6 also factor into addictive behaviors. So I hope you will agree to come back and be my guest again. Your research is absolutely so critical to our society.
0: I would be honored to participate in your program again, and I am also honored to serve as a U.S. federal government employee of the Public Health Service.
1: Listeners, we have been speaking with Dr. Joseph Hibbelin. He is a respected psychiatrist, lipid biochemist, and captain in the U.S. Public Health Service, and it has been a great honor to speak with you. And I want to thank our listeners for joining us and remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Thank you again, Dr. Hibbelin.
0: It's my honor. Thank you.